Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, it's just something. Um, you know, the other things are, you know, the, the fouling, um, the turnovers. Uh, I think a lot of that is just guys doing more than than normal and also teams uh, attacking us in certain ways. Um, it's not going to fix everything, but anytime you get a player of Kevin's caliber back, it, it fundamentally shifts and changes your team. That was uh, James Jones on with us yesterday, the president of Basketball Ops, general manager of the Phoenix Suns. We were asking him yesterday if adding KD getting him back will fix all of their problems. And of course, in that moment, we didn't know exactly when he's going to be back. We still don't totally know for sure, but at least we have a report to kind of base this off of as we welcome you back into Burns and Gambo. And that report is this from Sham Sharania, that the expectation at this point is that Kevin Durant is progressing towards a potential return on Wednesday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is a home game that's at Footprint Center that could potentially, dock on wood, be the home debut for Kevin Durant, the one that we've been waiting for forever. It feels like um, not telling anybody to get tickets for that game, though. No. Just say, just don't know. It's at your own risk, man. At your own risk. Just let you know. Just stand outside, wait for that scalper, wait for the starting lineups to be announced, and then you can get Al Cal take your tickets. Uh, it would be three weeks exactly to the day from when he suffered the injury, and I, I think you said it really well earlier when you said what we didn't know is that he suffers the injury three weeks ago. The day after he suffers the injury, they put out a timeline and they say he's going to be reevaluated. Evaluated in three weeks. What we didn't know was was three weeks, three weeks, or was it three weeks plus ramp up time? If Sham's reporting is to be believed, there is no ramp up time. Three weeks was three weeks. Yeah, and the ramp he'd be back. The ramp up time is included in there. It's part of the package deal that you get. You know, so it's like breakfast included at the hotel. You get ramp up time included in the three weeks. So probably two weeks, two and a half weeks, and then they'll work with them. There's got to be some ramp up, right? There has to be. As in Played in three weeks, and before that, he only played three games, and he was out for two months because he missed all that time with the knee injury. So there has to be some sort of ramp up, and I would imagine that that ramp up is starting now. That it'll be five days of just getting him on the court, moving around, testing everything to ramp him up so he could play. Three more games until they get him back, assuming that this is the date that he is going to return tonight against Sacramento, tomorrow against Philly. Monday against the Utah Jazz. Those are the three games remaining on the schedule, and then he would be back. Now, at this point, how many of those games the Suns win, where they are in the standings? Brothers and sisters, your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea. I I, I don't know. Um, I would guess... With no KD and no DA, these next two, and they've both already been ruled out, that it's going to be really tough sledding against the Kings and the 76ers? Probably both teams, both teams still playing for a lot, right? The Kings are playing for seeding. So Philly, look at Philly. They're so they're so close to, I think they're third right now, but like the difference between them and Boston and Milwaukee is very close. I have not. I've spent so much time I, looking at the you West. Know, look at the, I, haven't, I think I they're a the half East. a game behind the Celtics. They are tied in the loss column. I'm speaking your language. That's all that matters. They are tied in the loss column with the Boston Celtics. They both have 23 losses. Milwaukee's got 20 losses. Okay, so, so they're trying to, trying to put themselves in a position where if they do have a matchup against Boston, they would have home court advantage. You know, if, 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 if the seedings hold, you'd like to start the series in Philly instead of Boston. So Philly's got a lot to play for. Philly has won nine of their last ten games. They are absolutely rolling right now. So yeah, it's going to be tough sledding here in the next two without them. And then what happens against Utah? I don't know. That game is in Salt Lake on Monday. 
Monday, and then it would be Minnesota, and then it would be Kevin Durant. Now, we've got a poll question. Eric put a good one out there today. You and I, everything's fine. Okay, we're good. She's back. We're cool. And whatever happens in these three games, wherever they are in the standings, as long as they stay out of seven, and even if they fall to seven these next three games, I think you and I both think that Kevin Durant's enough to get them out of that. Right, if they fall into that pit, I think they can get out of that pit. They will with Kevin Durant, and then settle in somewhere four, five, six. We'll see um, when all that comes down. The question going into tonight, knowing you don't have Kevin Durant, will continue to be the foul situation. Now, I don't know about you, I've just about reached my saturation point on this one. I'm I'm just about like Monty got fined. He's not going to like. He said his piece. I wish he would have. Tried to get a few more pounds of flesh out of it and really let the officials know what was on his mind. But he got his $20,000 fine, and now you move on. But listen, this trend has been for three years. I mean, this has been a three-year trend of the Phoenix Suns, you know, not getting to the free-throw line a whole lot and fouling the other team a whole lot. This isn't anything that's new. No, it's not. And there was a really, I thought, insightful story today from PHNX Suns writer Gerald Bourget getting to the bottom of the Suns' trouble from the free-throw line. And it was good. It was good. Lots of numbers, lots of stats that kind of paint a picture. And, and I want to say this before we get into some of these numbers. Okay, I understand why Monty had the reaction he did. I do. They're losing. They're struggling. It's a, it's a grind right now. He's bringing a knife to a gunfight a lot of these nights because they traded away all their depth to get a guy who got hurt in pregame warm-ups. You get outshot at the free throw line by 26, you're going to be mad. Okay, I, I get that. I, I understand the human element of this. But what Gerald did was take a real deep dive into exactly why the Suns don't get to the free throw line. And for anybody who's been watching this team for the last three years, it really kind of quantifies what we've all been seeing. They're a mid-range jump shooting team. They get in the paint, but oftentimes they kick the ball back out once they do. set up the offense. Or if they get in the paint, they don't go to the rim. They settle for more mid-range jumpers. To their credit... That's kind of the team that they are roster wise, right? Like, but they've won a lot of games playing like this. And that's, you said this when we were talking about this earlier. If they're winning, nobody cares that they get outshot at the free throw line 46 to 20. But because they're not, then everyone gets angry and everyone gets grumpy and starts pointing fingers. Mm. And it's this and then it's that. It's a conspiracy and all of that sort of stuff. It's like Mark Cuban didn't protest a loss, a win the other day. Did he protested a loss? Nope. You see a baseball team, they protest. Nobody protests after a win. Hey, I'm going to, I want to protest this game. Yeah, but you won a sit, you won seven to two. Yeah, but that was a terrible call. That was a terrible call. Like we would have won eight to, nobody does that. No. Nobody protests. Uh, you know, matter of fact, even in the middle of a game when a team lodges a protest, if they go on to win the game, they take the protest away. Sure, of course. So you, nobody protests when you're winning. You only protest when you're losing. It's the same thing with complaining. You don't see a lot of teams complaining when they're winning. It's when you're losing. Hey, the Suns are losing. Now the free throw thing is a problem. When they were winning 64 games last year, we didn't really talk about it very much, but the numbers were very similar to what they are now. Yeah, the free throw problem, it's nothing new. They're 28th in free throw attempted this year. They're 29th last year, 29th the year before. Um, they're Now, the, the free throws they're giving up 
okay, they're 30th this year. They're you know one of the worst teams in the NBA. They weren't as bad at that last year, and they weren't as bad at that the year before, but they've been in the bottom half of the league the last two years. I, I liked what Gerald did. He went back. He saved me some time. He went back and he watched that Lakers game from beginning to end. Of the 31 fouls called on the Suns, he surmises that 23 of them were at least correct or understandable. Like, they weren't blatant. They weren't awful. They weren't, oh my God, what are you doing? Now, that leaves eight that were, but that's going to happen. And that's and especially it's going to happen in yeah, today's, could go either way. And that's going to happen in today's NBA where we've all seen it and it's annoying as heck when it does, right? Little contact, fling your head back, throw up the ball like you've been, you know, like you're flopping on a soccer field or something, <laughs> right? Like I mean like you've been True. just tragically wounded on a basketball court because of what the other guy did to you. A lot of times, unfortunately, that works in today's NBA. Grab your face. Oh yeah, grab your that face. One, or, that one, you grab or, your face. Or, or, my just, eye. That, that look in bed. Booker. Let's call it like it is. Booker does it too, right? He gets that look on his face, like, oh my god, I've been destroyed out here. Okay, it wasn't that bad, right? And and so that's unfortunately the game, and that's the where the NBA you gotta start is. losing more teeth. <laughs> well, no, remember Wait, that didn't even work that way. No, that was the, the NBA official official Twitter account put out a video in which they said, "No, that was in fact a foul, on, a foul on him. His face got in the way." <laughs> no, here's here's the video that explains why that's actually a foul on Tory Craig and not Giannis, even though Tory Craig lost a tooth. Oh, good for you. <laughs> anyway, it's it's a really good story from Gerald that kind of paints this picture of what we've all seen. And one thing in particular it points out. I know he wasn't on the floor for the Lakers game. You want to talk about a guy that should get to the line more often? Looking at you, DeAndre Ayton. Looking at you. Because you got the skill set to get there, and he just doesn't play with that kind of force. No, I, and that's just, you know, but that's that's who he's always been. He's a finesse big man. That's what he always is. He loves the, the floaters and the turnaround jumpers, and but the aggressiveness of going to the basket is just not who he is. No, not at all. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, well, since we were talking about the Suns, let me tell you about this first. The legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. Did it a week ago. We'd like to hear from you on this one. Text Al to 626-20. Submit a video. It's a thank you, Al, message. We might even play it on the air. Text the word Al to 620-620. Now when we come back, take a look around the NFC West. Some teams, two in particular, are very aggressive. Two teams are standing pat. The reasoning is pretty clear. But just in case, one team went so far as to explain their reasoning. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Not that I'm telling Cardinals fans anything you don't already know, but it's been a quiet, quiet, quiet free agency for the Cardinals. But they're not the only ones. Uh, story on ESPN.com today, free agency in review. Free agency is basically two weeks old. Started not this past Monday, but the Monday prior to that. And it, a lot of teams have been active. A lot of teams have been moving and grooving and getting stuff done. The Arizona Cardinals are not among them. Uh, on ESPN.com today, free agency 
Canadian Review, additions and subtractions and the current vibes of each team. I sent Gambo a screenshot of every team in the NFC West just to kind of highlight the real discrepancy between the two teams in the division that have been extremely active and the two teams in the division that have been extremely not. Uh, Seattle and San Francisco making moves to contend and compete and the Rams and the Cardinals very quiet. Yeah, But at least the Rams, their owner, sent out a letter explaining why. The Cardinals, we don't we don't really know. Well, and that's and that's exactly what I was getting to. The 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 Rams, and this is something we've talked about all week long. I if you if you require an explanation from the Cardinals for what they're doing this off season, this story's going to ring with you a little bit. Now, I think I know what they're doing this off season. I think, as I like to say, actions speak louder than words, and I can kind of read the actions of what they're doing. But the letter that came out today from Kevin Demoff, he's the chief operating officer of the Rams, in which he. I'll just read you a couple of quotes from it, and you'll kind of get the idea of where this thing is going. Quote, as a result, we faced a choice this offseason. We could once again restructure contracts to give ourselves one last shot with our core roster, but that would mean a total rebuild would be necessary over the next few seasons. Or we could focus on replenishing our draft capital and improving our long-term salary cap situation, clearing the way for us to compete both now and in the future. Collectively as an organization, we chose the latter path, believing in the talent on our current roster and the skills of our coaching staff to return us to the playoffs, close quote. Now, he doesn't say they're not trying to win this year, but he also is saying we're trying very hard to look at the bigger picture here. We're collecting draft picks. We're resetting our salary cap. We're getting our house in order we'll here a little bit. $60 million in salary cap next year. We've got all our draft picks next year. 11 this year. Yeah. I mean, he's making it known that, listen, the reason we're not very active. So, and, and you know what that does? That, that stops the questioning. So everybody's still like in Arizona, I'm like, why aren't the Cardinals doing anything? Well, you know, actions speak louder than word. We're assuming that the Cardinals are going to reset and that they're not really committed to winning this year because the roster's no good and the cap space situation may not be what they want it to be. But nobody said anything. At least with the Rams, you kind of get in the pitch. Okay, this is why they're not going out and spending a whole lot of money. They're going to save it all up for next year and they're going to go for it next year. And right, this is a little bit of a reset year. Now, they still believe in the roster, but they're also... You know, tempting uh, expectations, making sure that the expectations are that they are that they're going to go out and get all these guys like they usually do. Yeah, and it's he's really towing a fine line on this one, right? Because he says, "Let me be clear: our goal for 2023 is to win the NFC West and make a deep playoff run. Change doesn't mean that we expect to take a step back." And he points out the talented players they still have on their roster, which is far more than the Cardinals have right now at this point. If we're just being honest about it, they still have Stafford, they still have Cooper Cup, they still have Aaron Donner. Donald. They still have Cam Akers and Van Jefferson and guys, right? They still have guys. So he's he's trying to, in some ways, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too by insisting we're still going to compete. We're still trying. We're not giving up on the season. But at the same time, we have to take a good, hard look at the future. Now, could the Cardinals say the same thing in a similarly written letter, letter to its fan base, to its season ticket holders? Hey, we haven't given up on this season, but we've also got to take a look at the bigger picture here. We've got to get our house in order. We've got to get our finances in order. We've got to get our draft picks in order. We've got to reset things a little bit we here won as an four organization. Games last year, yeah, it, we're not going to climb to the top of Mount Everest like right now. Like no, we got to, yeah. It's going to take a little time. We're going to try to build it the right way. We're not in a quick, quick rebuild. We feel that the best way to build, we want to build a team 
that is going to contend over a number of years, not just one quick fix. So to do that, we've got to do it the right way. We've got to draft the right way. We've got to be wise with our spending. And we need to spend when we're close, not when we've won four games. It's very easy. I wish the Cardinals would do it. I mean, I, I'd love to have Michael on the show. And, I, I, and I'm for that. Like, I totally agree with that philosophy. And I do. I really agree that that's the way that they should do it. But I do think some way, somehow, they need to get that message out. Whether it's on a radio show with me and you or a letter to the fans, they kind of got to get that letter out. We won four games last year. We're not we're not going to win 14 next year. OK, we're not in the best salary cap situation. We've got to, we, you know, we've traded away draft picks. Robbie Anderson and uh, Ford and Trayvon Mullen. Trayvon Mullen. And we've got we're going to do a better job of keeping our assets, drafting players and making sure that we do spend wisely in free agency. We're doing it on a team that's ready to contend. I got no problem with that. It's a great message. Let everybody know. But in the meantime, nobody says anything. It was sitting here. Like, I, I like what the Rams did. I applaud that. Because we're sitting here, we're just guessing. We think we're right, but we're still just guessing at why there's been so much inactivity with the Cardinals. I also think it's easier for the Rams to do it because they've got a Super Bowl trophy that's barely a year old. Right? So it's 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 easier to send that message because you can lean on your recent success almost as you've built equity with your fan Is base. it harder because it's an L.A. market, though? LA Man, you got typically win for them to care. demands winning otherwise they kind of ignore you yeah that's and and here's the you know the chief operating officer of the Rams basically telling their fan base hey we're going to try but dot 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 kind of understand the situation that we're in right now but i think most Rams fans and I, and i think at the Cardinals had a Super Bowl trophy in the last couple of years you know Cardinal fans be like yeah go ahead reset knock yourself out we get it we understand we got a Super Bowl trophy sitting over there that we still have the warm memories from that can yeah. keep us warm in the middle of a cold season, you know? To your point, the story you said to me, marquee additions for the Rams, none. Marquee subtractions, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, and Leonard Floyd. Oh, yeah. They've had, a, they've had a rough offseason in L.A. A real, there have been rumors about maybe moving Matthew Stafford, right? I mean, it, it's not been pretty in Los Angeles. I don't think anybody expects anything great out of Los Angeles this year. There was speculation about whether Sean McVay was going to be back. You know, in this story, it mentions that the GM, Les Snead, says our DNA is to attack, hit the gas, but we're going to hit the brakes a little bit. So now you've got multiple messages coming out that, hey, we're going to hit the brakes. Like, we're going to let go of some of these players. We're going to acquire assets, and, you know, we'll we'll live to fight another day. In the meantime, you know, the, the 49ers added Hargrave and Isaiah Oliver and Seattle added uh, Dremont Jones and Julian Love and Jaron Reed. Those teams, the, the, the Seattle and San Fran, have been active in trying to win. The Cardinals and the Rams have not. And maybe when we hear from Monty Austin Fort, you know, maybe when there's a moment where he's behind a microphone at a podium and he's previewing the draft or he's, you know, whatever the next media availability would be him, would be from him, we would have a similar message from him. We would hear some. Michael doesn't do a lot of media. He does some, but not a lot. Maybe the next time we hear from Monty, we'll get something like this. We'll get a message that kind of lays out the plan. And yeah, I just saw the look on your face. San Diego Diego State's beating Alabama 51-48. And Houston's losing to Miami by six. And Houston's down. We we could both be screwed. That's at half. There's still plenty time left on that one. This uh, San Diego, or this, uh, yeah, San Diego State, Alabama game, eight minutes left in the game? Eight and a half? Bama was just up by nine. The last time I looked, Bama was up by nine. San Diego State's gone on a run. 749 left in the game. San Diego State with the ball, with possession, up three over Alabama. Hold on tight. Hold on to your butts. 
As Samuel L. Jackson once Don't said hold in on Jurassic loosely. Park, held on to your butts when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. It was not positively received at the time, but now it is the biggest franchise-altering trade their franchise has had in a while. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, quick March Madness update here just for fun. Uh, both the teams Gambo and I have picked to meet the championship game are, are losing. losing. Fifth seeded San Diego State is e is beating. I was about to say eating Alabama. They're eating them too. They're beating them and eating them. Sixty to fifty three. Uh, San Diego State just scored on a dunk in the lane. Four minutes left. They're up by seven. The number one seed. Yeah, the number one seed. It looks like San Diego State's going to get another run out basket. That might be goaltending. No, it's a foul. So sixty to fifty three. San Diego State up by seven with three minutes three fifty one to go in that <sighs> game. Top seed Houston is also in trouble. They are down right now to Miami by 11 points. The second half of that game has just gotten underway. So both of the presumed favorites to meet each other in a championship game, they are both losing. Now, Houston, so we can have all four number one seeds out before the Elite Eight. Yeah, potentially. Uh, now, Houston's got some time. Alabama's starting to run out of time. There's only three and a half minutes left in that game. Houston still has most of the second half to go. But we'll, of course, keep an eye on both Great. of those Crazy, crazy, yeah, crazy. It's crazy. Remember, UCLA was down by 10 with two minutes left, two and a half minutes left, and they ended up taking the lead only to lose the game to yeah. Gonzaga last two night. Two really good games last night. I mean, just all-time classic March Madness games. Uh, it's you know, a- once your bracket is done, you you lose so much interest. And my bracket, if, if, if Alabama loses, my bracket's done. You know, I, I tell you, though, I, some people have an exactly opposite reaction to that. Like when they're they can enjoy done, it more, it just liberates them to enjoy it. You're just free to enjoy the basketball and not worry about your bracket or who you picked or whether you're going to win or whether you're going to lose. Good way to look at it. Some people, but then you lose your interest in like you know. Some people don't fill out a bracket at all for that exact reason to enjoy it. It's just easier to enjoy. You just, you just that's why I don't play fantasy football. Just watching the basketball, right? You don't have to worry about did I pick it? How's my bracket? Then you like how's Joe uh, and accounting yeah. doing? Am I beating my wife? Am I this? Am I? They don't worry about it. You just watch basketball. Then you just want. Then you want the upsets. Let San Diego State win. Of how course. great would that be? Of course. I, I Let's mean, honestly, go Miami. I might win this thing, and I tend to find I root for the upsets more anyway. Like I don't even really care if I. Me win and the you bracket. are first one and two. We're one two in the office. I know. One I know. first and second. I do like the upsets though. They are a lot of fun. They're yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Suns, meanwhile, are taking on the Sacramento Kings tonight. Now, we all know the deal going into this game. Uh, Sacramento tonight, Philly tomorrow. Utah on Monday. Uh, Philly's at home tomorrow, but it's the second night of a back-to-back. They've won nine of their last ten games. And, of course, Philly's in Golden State tonight, so it's going to be the second night of a back-to-back for them, too. Whether that alters anything, I I don't know. But they're going to be on the second night of a back-to-back. It's been a struggle. It will continue to be a struggle for the Suns, but they get Katie back, we presume, next Wednesday. That's what's been reported by Shams. So maybe we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. This Kings team they played tonight, and I feel like we've talked a lot about them, and rightfully so, A, because they've deserved it, they've played so well, and B, because we're just trying to figure out where they rank on the for real scale. 
How for real are they? Where are they a 10? Are they a one? Are they somewhere in the middle? How legit are they? And it's, it's been fun reading some of the stories about them and kind of how they brought this whole team together because it is unique given how long it's been since they've been relevant in the NBA. Yeah. And I think that's why people don't really give them, you know, they've got their first winning season right now since 2005, six. That's the, that's the last time they had a winning season. They're going to get their first playoff berth since that season as well, which will end the longest playoff drought in NBA history. You look at the West and you kind of feel like it's wide open. You know, this team has been healthy all year long. Sabonis was a great trade for them. At the time when they made the trade, a lot of people didn't understand it because they were giving up uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who was such a great draft pick for them. But the chance to get Sabonis, remember, I remember reporting at the time that the Suns had kicked the tires on DeAndre Ayton for Sabonis. Now, Sabonis has been real good. He's been on a few different teams, but he's been real good as a playmaker, as a rebounder is a scorer. De'Aaron Fox is as good a clutch player as he is in the NBA. He's the best player in the last five minutes of a game when the score is within five points. He leads the league in points in those scenarios. And you're looking at a team that has a great coach and they're playing extremely well. This is going to be they might end up being a really hard out in the playoffs. Maybe they go out quickly, but they seem to play more together as a team than anybody else. The one knock about them would be the lack of experience. Obviously, because De'Aaron Fox is terrific and DeMontis Sabonis has been, you know, a guy we talked about with the Suns and whether the Suns were going to trade Eaton for DeMontis Sabonis a couple of years back. I remember we talked about that a lot. The, the, the story that you sent today, I think what I liked about it the best is this part right here about how the Kings maybe practice more than any other NBA team. Kevin Herter said, quote, we practice like a college team. The collective bargaining agreement states that teams must provide every player at least 18 days off throughout each season, days in which there are no games, no practices, no travel, no promotional activities, no nothing. Uh, if a team lands at an airport any time after 1 a.m., that day is counted as a travel day. Right, so you don't even get to count that as a as a day off. You're doing something. The Kings, in their estimation, now I don't know if this is true or not, but in their estimation, they maximize the amount of days they're allowed to practice more than any team in the NBA. They practice like a college team, and they think that helps them. I think the big thing that's helped them is Mike Brown as their coach. I mean, you talk about a been there, done that, bought the T-shirt kind of guy. Mike Brown's got so much experience in that regard. I think he's really helped sharpen that organization. Oh, well, yeah. You know, the, you know in, in one of the stories about the Kings, it says that he had set up a four-player leadership council to guide the team and relay messages from the coaches. That was Fox, Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, and Davion Mitchell. So, you know, he, he gets everybody together. They go over things. They decide, decide the schedule, the picking of the, of the off days and the practice days and when to skip shoot-around. So they really work together. That's where that college, uh, where they practice like a college team came in. But it's, you know, you, you look at the Aaron Fox. He's been in this league for six years. He's had four different coaches. And, you know, now you're looking at a team that got criticized because they took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. Hmm. And now they've got this roster that's pretty damn good, you know? Now, th- there's some numbers that really kind of tilt against them. One of them I, po- I pointed out is they rank 25th in points allowed per possession. So 25th in points allowed per possession. So, and they're not the best at protecting the rim. Um, they don't allow many threes or shots at the rims, but the opponents have really shot well against them. Yeah, and that's, 
you know, when you, now I don't think anyone's thinking the Kings are going to win a championship, but when you start talking about teams that typically advance well in the postseason, usually, not always, usually, defense is a big part of that. We were talking about that with the Nuggets a little bit earlier. I look, it, I I'm, I don't I really don't want to disrespect the Sacramento Kings. I really don't. I still think they're a favorable matchup, you know, for the Suns or for anybody. And I think mostly because a their defense and and they, that the eye test on that really paints that picture, right? Like you watch the Sacramento Kings play; it's pretty obvious. They're, defensively, they're not very good. So I, I certainly think that goes into the equation. But I think just from an experience standpoint, a lack of experience standpoint, having not had that been there, done that guy, I, I think makes them a desired matchup in the playoffs. I might rue the day I ever said that or thought that about the Sacramento Kings. It might, it might be a first-round matchup between the Suns and the Kings. It's, I don't know if it's very possible. But it's possible. If the Suns end up at six and Sacramento ends up at three, yeah, here we go. First round against Sacramento. And I will tell you this, playing playoff games there, okay, that's going to be hell. Going there to win a playoff game, that is going to be a difficult environment. Oh, my. You remember that fan base. Yeah. During the Weber days, yeah, the Bibby Peja, days, Peja, the Peja days, you know, the cowbells, right? Remember yeah. how freaking annoying that was, right? They've been waiting 16 years for a team to be in the playoffs. And it won't, it really, honestly, I don't think it'll be that dissimilar. Was so it what like we the, experienced like here? The Maloof brothers own them. Yeah, they, yeah, that, yeah. I remember they took out billboards ago. to try to keep Chris Webber when he was a free agent. I don't think it'll be that dissimilar to what happened here when the Suns made the playoffs in 2021. As the crowds were crazy. Oh my god, it went nuts. They were crazy because it had been so long. Yeah, it had been so. Ten, it was ten years. You were starving for something like that, and when it was time to eat, it was time to eat, and we ate it up. I think Sacramento will be the same way. I think I think any game you play there will be hell try to win, because the crowds are going to be crazy for that team. They've always been crazy for that team. They just haven't had a reason Look, to what be. makes them really special, special honestly, is these, they're so good in these close games. Because the Aaron Fox is just, there's nobody like him in the league. Nobody's close yeah. to the clutch time performances that he puts up. He is far and above the best player in the league at closing out games right now. Alright, uh, one minute and 18 seconds to go. San Diego State has a 9 point lead over Alabama. Now, Alabama just got fouled. I think they're going to the line. I think it's a shooting foul. Houston's only down two now to Miami. Houston is rallied. They're down only two. There's like 14 and a half minutes to go there. Houston is down 51-49 in that game uh, as they've outscored Miami 13-9 in the second half so far. So, Alabama San Diego State. Possibly about to be the third number one seed to get ousted. We'll see. There's still some time left in this game. We'll keep you completely updated here on the Burns and Gambo show. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are headed to Chase Field. It's one night only on December 8th. Tickets are already on sale. You can win a pair of tickets by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Well, we heard about the possibility of the Cardinals trading down in the draft. Is there a logical trade partner that isn't the Colts? And is that too far to fall for the Cardinals? That's coming up. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Oh, lots is on tonight. Lots. March Madness is cooking right now. 57 oh, seconds to go. San Diego State still beating Alabama by four. 66-62. 
with less than a minute to go. 55.5 seconds looks like um, San Diego State just got fouled. That's on tonight. On right now as well. Miami kind of pushed their cushion back a little bit to nine. They're over. They're beating Houston 62-53. So all four number one seeds can be out before the Elite Eight. And the only two seed left would be Texas, right? UCLA's out. Arizona's out. Who was the other two seed? Marquette. And Marquette's out. Right, so out of the top yeah. eight seeds, we're potentially looking at seven of the top eight seeds being out before the Elite Eight. And Texas is the only one still playing. And that is unusual, obviously. Usually your typical <laughs> Final Four is a couple of ones, a two, and a four. Or something like that, right? Like a one, two twos, yeah. and, a, and a four. Arizona played the San Diego State team this year. I watched the game. And they beat them by 17. Yeah, Arizona beat San Diego State by 17. San Diego's 55 seconds away from taking down number one Alabama. Okay, so that's on tonight. Uh, Coyotes hockey is on tonight. At 6 o'clock, they're taking on the Avalanche. You'll hear that game on ESPN 620. And then, oh, and then I should mention, too, the other two college basketball games that are on tonight. 15-seed Princeton against 6-seed Creighton. And then... Oh, he missed the free throw. Oh, did he? Oh, San Diego State missed the front end of a one-on-one. And then third-seed Xavier taking on two-seed Texas. And as it's now a two-point game. San Diego State over Alabama. 47 seconds to go. San Diego State is wilting they were the just up. Weren't right they now. just up by nine? They were just up by nine. And Damn. now it's two points with 47 seconds left. You don't have to foul now if you're Bama. The pressure of the moment foul. is getting to them. There's no doubt. And they did foul. No reason to foul. And they just fouled. Suns basketball tonight. They're taking on the Kings. We've talked about that game. It starts at seven. We've actually got bonus burns in Gambo. We're going to talk to John Bloom coming up at six. He, of course, is lighting the beam there in Sacramento. Suns play-by-play announcer in and uh, he'll join us, and we'll talk a little Suns basketball with him at 6 o'clock. Speaking of Suns basketball, I'll pass this along real quick before we talk about the draft. Uh, Monty Williams, before the game today, joking with the media that if anybody would like to help pay his $20,000 fine for criticizing the officials, he stuck out his hat as if he was asking for donations. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of Suns fans to M- be more than happy to help Monty pay that fine. Just, I think Monty's doing just fine by himself. You can also forward the email to your boss. I'm sure he'll you know, I'm sure that he'll uh, he'll pay that fine for you. If he hasn't already. Yes. Right? Like, I think that's against the rules, right? Is it against the I'm rules? I'm pretty sure it is. I, I think there's some rules in place. San Diego State's back up. Alabama foul? With 47 seconds left, you're going to get the ball back no matter what. You're down two. Why would they foul right there? That was so stupid. Yeah. Like, that was, get a stop. And you'll have at least 17 seconds to tie the game on a two or win it on a three. It made no sense. We don't have the sound up in here, but San Diego State missed both of them. Uh, it is San Diego State ball after a missed three-point shot. We're not technically allowed to do a lot of play-by-play of this. I, I got I got talked to about that, so we got to be careful. But I'll just tell you right now, it's a four-point game with about, what, 30 seconds to go, I think, is where we're sitting And Miami's right up by 12 over Houston. Yeah. I, you shot, know what? what a shocker I think both is. of our national champions are about to take a nose to I don't know. That anybody's going to be able to get any points left after this? No, possibly not. I mean, I mean, you've got Gonzaga winning again. Another I've game. I've got Gonzaga beating in the Final Four. That's it of UConn. That's the only That'd points be the that you can get. Points left. I would have to get. Yeah, and I could. I cannot get any points if Alabama and Houston both lose. 
I don't think and I I'm have... in first place by like two points over you. Any other? So it would really come down to that game, Gonzaga UConn. Yeah. For who's going to win our? For who's going to win on our show and maybe even at our station? I don't, I don't know what everybody else has, but yeah, it could very well it could very well come down to that when it's all said and done, which is just crazy to think. So of course, if there's any score change in this, you know, we might not do play by play, but if there's any score change in San Diego State Alabama right now, they're reviewing the video to see if there's a change of possession necessary or not who the ball who the ball excuse me went out on so we'll see about that Grizzlies are going to get a win here they're beating the Rockets by 24 at home so we look for that number two and number three seed in the Western Conference the Grizzlies are going to pick up a win the Mavericks are playing right now too at home against the Hornets okay so in a game that Kyrie and Luca are both playing in for the first time in a while yes both are available and yes. both are playing they both started the game yes Kyrie and Luca both started the game uh, since you brought up the NBA I'll bring up the other games tonight that we should probably keep an eye on there too um, and that is the 76ers taking on the Warriors important because the Warriors have been playing better as of late the game's in goal in state for one thing. They obviously play much better at home. Suns play the 76ers tomorrow, so it's going to be the second night of a back-to-back for Philly. Now, how much that changes things, I don't know. Who plays, who doesn't, but Philly is in Golden State tonight. We'll see how that changes things in the West. And then the other one, the Thunder taking on the Lakers tonight. Now, granted, those are two teams a little further down in the Western Conference, but obviously trying to negotiate and navigate all that stuff as well, so we'll see what happens there. A lot going on tonight. A lot to watch tonight. All right, let's talk about this real quick, because I don't think you're going to like this very much. Um, This is a story on CardsWire.com today. Albert Breer reported earlier this week the Vegas Raiders attempted to and were unable, obviously, to trade up to the number one pick in the NFL draft. Are they a potential trade partner for the Arizona Cardinals at number seven? Do we want them to be a potential trade partner for the Cardinals yeah, at number I mean, seven? I think you do, because I think you're still about the the quantity of the picks where I've kind of narrowed it down to the quality of the player. I don't want them to pass on, on Anderson. I'll take him at three or I'll take him at four if I could trade down with Indianapolis. But after, you know, you value, evaluate this stuff for so long after doing that, I've, I'm, I've come to the conclusion that you've got to come away with Anderson if you're the Cardinals. Yeah, I, look, I would still, absolutely, this is game's over, by the way. Alabama's going to lose, I think. It's a five-point game Five-point lead, and, ba- and San Diego State's going to the free-throw line. 18 seconds to go as Bama missed a shot. It looks like San Diego State's going to pull the upset. Wow. And, and Miami has absolutely pulled away from Houston. That's a 17-point game with nine and a half minutes this to go San there, San Diego too. State team lost to Nevada, the team that Arizona State beat. They got clobbered by Arizona. The Wildcats beat them by 17, and they're going to be in the Elite Eight. This is a crazy year for the upsets in the tournament. I think they're the first Mountain West team to have won even a tournament game since like 2018. Look, and I'll tell you right now, Houston's done. They're done. Yeah, they're, they're, they look cooked. They, they look like they're about to go home on this one. Still nine minutes that, to go, but they're down 17 points in this game. I don't know so. that they can come back from down 17. No, I, probably not, but I think we've seen crazier this year. You know, if you can get it to within 10, then who knows what could happen after that. But right now, Miami is absolutely putting it to them, and San Diego State is now up seven with 16 seconds to go. Bye, Alabama. See you later. There goes a whole bunch of national championship picks right there. Hold on, here it is. Wait. There's my bracket. I'm done. Yeah, but you already ripped it up after U of A lost to Princeton. 
I, I know, but I still had so, like all my Final Four teams wait, after wait, that. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You you ripped up your bracket when Arizona lost no, to Princeton. I, I remember ha- it well. I didn't have Arizona Are in the Final Four. Are you saying you were faking it when you ripped up your bracket? Are you denying that you ripped up your bracket when Arizona lost? Because um, I distinctly remember rippage. Yeah, I mean... I might have. I, I mean, I probably didn't rip up my bracket because I had. A, I didn't have Arizona going far further into the Final Four. Oh, I lost an Elite Eight team. We're gonna check tape on this one, my friend, mm. and it's gonna reveal that you ripped up your bracket yeah, after Arizona. So all I have to do is take a piece of paper and go <laughs> right there. That's all I have to do. Okay. Just so, just so long as you're there confirming you that you're faking it. That's this all. This is everybody's bracket. Yeah. though. that's everybody's you're, bracket you're, right you're, now. You're, you're faking Houston. it. You're faking it like Meg Ryan in the deli. You're faking that, it. All right. Bam is out. Houston's out. <laughs> like it, like Bam is out. Houston's out. Yeah. Everybody's out. And a lot of people are out. Yeah. A lot, like, lot of people's brackets are. This, the, bye-bye. I, I think that the Arizona sports, like the hosts, I think it comes down to whether Gonzaga beats UConn or not as to who's going to win the thing. I don't think anybody else can get any more points. Only you. You got Gonzaga over UConn, right? Uh, I've got Gonzaga beating UConn. Let's see if... I don't think that anybody else can get get any points. I can't get any more points now. I got 92 points. You have 88. Bickley's got 82. I don't know that... uh the only the only Alabama, other way I can get points is okay. Hold on, I was looking at the wrong bracket. You, if Houston loses, you're done. You can't get any more points. Everybody's you're out. done. The only points I can get is Gonzaga if they win one more. Uh, let's see, Dan Bickley can't get any more points. You can't get any points. Vinny Murata can't get any more points. Um, I'm trying to see everybody. It's hard to see everybody else's picks. Luke can't get any more points. Okay. And I I think that's it. I think it's over. Yeah, Luke has Houston Houston winning it all. That's the only team he has left. It's going to come down to the Gonzaga-UConn game for who has the highest score in our brackets because San Diego State pulled off the shocker. Miami's up by 14. And so Houston's probably going to go down unless they have this miraculous comeback in the final seven minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's going to come down to uh, me and you, first and second place. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking to see if there's anybody else who can garner some points. Oh, hold on now. Who? Hold your horses. Who, 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 who are you looking at? I'm looking at Jarrett Carlin, who picked Texas to win it all. And I'm looking at Sarah Cazell. Who's got Texas in a championship game? Ooh. Oh, no, not Texas? so fast, my friend. Who's Texas got next? Texas has Xavier tonight. Oh, Xavier. Xavier tonight. And then they would play Miami, right? They'd play Miami in the championship game. Oh, okay. Okay, so not How not far behind? How yet. far behind are they? Um... She's I'm, sorry. I'm just looking at Mitch's bracket. Mitch would be. Mitch also has Gonzaga in the final four, but he's. But that's it. Those are the all the points he could get. Who does Sarah have? What now? How many points does she's she got? Have? Seventy. So she's fourteen behind the leader. So even if she gets eight points here, she's not ahead of me or you. So she needs them to win two games. Yeah, but if Texas goes on a run, she's yeah. going to get enough okay, points to win. Jared Carlin's going to get go. enough points to win. So, right, um, so I'm rooting for Gonzaga to win one more and for Texas to get out tonight. Then I might win this Let's thing. Let's go, Sean Miller! When we come back, he's live from the Golden One Center in Sacramento. Surely he's encouraged by the news of Kevin Durant's eventual return. We'll talk with our buddy Bloomer next here on Burns and Gimbo.
Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Bonus Burns and Gambo here as we take you right up until pregame coverage of the Suns and the Sacramento Kings. 7 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports. And the guy who will be describing it to you is our good friend, John Bloom, who joins us live from Sacramento, getting ready to call tonight's game. Bloomer, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing well. And uh, props to whoever slid in the little Depeche Mode on the rejoin there uh, as we sit here at Golden One Center. That's who was rocking the house here last night. Uh, For many of the people on the road, they were uh, perturbed by that because they couldn't get a restaurant reservation or a burger or a drink at the hotel because this place was mob scene last night. I don't think they were expecting as many modern rockers from the the 90s to make their way to Sacramento. But that was the scene last night. Tonight, it's two of the best teams in the Western Conference. Very excited uh, to hopefully see this Suns team uh, start to get into a little better form here tonight. I didn't get to ask you, would you be the series? Syracuse guy. How did you feel about Bayheim retiring? Oh, Gambo. Uh, listen, Jimmy Bayheim, from my standpoint, had a great run as a head coach at Syracuse. I was there my entire life. And uh, I think it, it was time for him to make a move. Uh, you know, he stayed a little bit longer than I think a lot of us thought, and that was because he had his kids come play for him. Uh, and that must have been awesome for the Bayheim family. I know it was, just hearing them talk about that experience. But now, I think it is time to pass the torch. I have a lot of respect for Red Autry. He was a point guard my freshman year. Uh, Adrian Autry, who took over. And then, of course, Jerry McNamara, the guy who helped Carmelo win the championship in 03, is his associate head coach. So I like the direction that they're headed in. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. Now you got Rick Pitino to recruit against uh, in yeah. New York City. So, yeah, it's almost like a, a flashback in some ways to uh, my time in the Big East. You know, we've talked about the Sacramento team a lot today. The one thing that makes them very special is the Aaron Fox's ability to close out games. Nobody in the league better close game situation, final five minutes than the Aaron Fox. He's been great. He really has. Uh, you know, He's doing the things that Devin Booker was doing uh, in crunch time the last couple seasons. And uh, you know, For this Sacramento team, I think the, the, one of the biggest elements of their success has been continuity. And uh, the fact that they haven't been bit by the injury bug that so many teams acro- across the league have been. But I don't want to just say that that's why they're so good. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are both clearly stars in this league. They're both all-stars and they're both, uh, you know, dangerous in such different ways. Uh, they can both be the hubs of activity and DeMontis Sabonis is now getting triple-doubles on the regular. He leads the Kings in assists, but De'Aaron Fox can create for his teammates as well as himself. So I think that uh, that's what makes him very dangerous. That is a, a tough duo to contend with. Being that you're calling a lot of these games, you're following a lot of this action, I'm curious from your perspective, just when you analyze the Western Conference and the threats and the tough spots and the soft spots, not that I want you to call anybody any names or anything, but how do you assess this Sacramento Kings team when compared to the rest of the West when the Suns are whole and the playoffs start in a few weeks? I mean, that's the that last little caveat, Burns, we can't sleep on because we're just saying when the Suns are whole, which is something that we're all envisioning with Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, obviously missing 
practicing right now, uh, that's a whole different basketball team when you include them with who the Suns have. So what I'm going to do is answer your question about the Sacramento Kings and tell you that they remind me a lot of the Phoenix Suns when they ended their playoff drought a couple of years ago. And I think this crowd and this vibe here at Golden One Center will also bring back memories and has already when we made it here earlier this year because they were already feeling that they might have something special early in the season. And now we know they have something special. They have their first winning season locked up already for the first time in 17 years. And now they're trying to end that 16-year playoff drought. And they are very close to doing that. We all expect it to happen. It's a foregone conclusion. So I think they are going to ride that wave of energy like the Suns did a couple years ago. Does that mean they're going to make their way to the finals in the Western Conference? They would need things to break their way, uh, much like it did for the Phoenix Suns in 2021. But uh, it certainly could happen. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it past them. All this continuity has led to a whole lot of confidence, and it's a vibe here in Sacramento. Yeah, it's you know fascinating when you go back to the Tyrese Halliburton trade where it kind of all started getting Sabonis in right there. Wasn't very popular at the time because Halliburton was such a beloved figure. They drafted him. They were developing him, but that's ended up being a great trade for them. Sabonis has come in. He's been a leader. He's a, he gives them a lot of toughness, scoring, rebounding, and you know him and, and Fox together have been really good. It's a great call. It's funny. I look up on the big screen here. They're showing the Pacers and the Celtics just as you bring up Tyrese Halliburton, and you know people here in Sacramento are keeping an eye on that too because you're right. A lot of negativity when that deal went down towards the Kings side of it. They thought they didn't get enough for a young uh, you know, potential star guard. And while Halliburton had an amazing start to the season, dealt with some injuries, the Pacers had that great start to the season, but they've started to flame out, and here you are. The Kings just continue to stack wins, 43 of them right now and counting. Are you John Bloom, Suns play-by-play announcer, Suns broadcaster, our guest? He's live in Sacramento. He's getting ready to call the game that's coming up at 7 o'clock. We've got bonus Burns and Gambo here. Are you expecting or anticipating seeing anything different out of the Suns given the struggles over the last couple of days? And I could ask you the question about the free throw disparity. If you want to fold that into the answer, you certainly can. But it's it's been a grind these last couple of games. Are you expecting to see anything different tonight, Bloomer? Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much they can change as far as rotations or guys that are on the floor. What I would like to see if somehow they can just not let whatever whistles are taking place get to them uh, and just stay focused on playing their game. I know that's easy for me to say, sitting way up here at the top of the lower bowl and looking down uh, with a headset on, but I think it has to happen right now because I think they're letting it get to them and that's where they can, you know, again, just give another chance to the opposition to beat them. And they don't need to be doing that now when they're already down Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton. You need everything to go your way to beat a team like the Sacramento Kings, and that includes potentially getting the benefit of the whistle. I have no idea how they're going to do that. Monty Williams made a joke just ending his pregame media availability, asking all of us if we wanted to contribute to his $20,000 fine that he was given by the league. Uh, and I think Kevin Ray uh, joked that he could start a GoFundMe account, so I think if you want to keep a lookout for that on the social channels, maybe the one will be created. But I don't know if that is going to lead to officials changing the way they're calling the Phoenix Suns on the basketball court. Uh, what, what Tim and I always focus on when we're calling the action is looking for consistency. Just making sure that the officials are calling it the way that they're calling it for both teams on the floor. And oftentimes over the course of the last uh, several weeks and uh, in some Suns fans' minds probably years and decades, uh, they haven't felt that way. So uh, hopefully we can start to have a better feel with regards to that. Or it just goes into the background. 
which is what should happen. When officiating is uh, done the right way, we don't talk about it, do we, fellas? No, the other thing we're looking at, Bloomer, is just the rotations. You know, T.J. Warren wasn't playing, then he was really the first sub off the bench if you discount that Bismack Biombo came out with two fouls for Jacques Landau in that last game. He went to T.J. Warren. We're really trying to see if, you know, Monty can figure out the right rotations with the bench guys. He's really struggled playing a lot of guys and not really finding the right fits for the right guys off the bench. Yeah, and think about it. I mean, just think about how big of a role uh, Kevin Durant plays on a basketball team when he's playing. And so you get that chance. Well, first of all, you wait three weeks after the trade. Then you finally get the chance to put him in the lineup. You get the three games. You tell the guys, all right, these are going to be your roles while Kevin Durant's on the floor. Everybody starts to kind of embrace that, figure it out together. Now they got a, a, a kind of a wrap around it, and then he goes down, and now you got to wait another couple weeks, and during those couple weeks, you're playing against every hungry team possible, because now with the play and everybody feels like they've got a chance. So, there's no easy games, and you're tr- you're dealing with players trying to adapt to different roles at this part of the season. That is not a recipe for victories in the NBA, when you're still adapting. So, I'm not trying to bail the guys out that might be not performing at their best. I'm just telling you, from a human being standpoint, when you have to adjust on the fly as much as this group has, that's a difficult task, especially when you're going up against the Kings team that's had all that continuity we already talked about. Yeah, Bloomer, good stuff as always. Uh, We'll listen to you on the way home. Thanks for the time as always. We'll see you when you get back, okay? Have a great weekend, fellas. God, Bloomer. John Bloom joining us there from Sacramento. Again, he'll have the pregame coverage coming up in just about 20 minutes or so. It would appear that we are on the verge, Gambo, of yet another upset in March Madness. Miami, the fifth seed, beating number one seed Houston by 13, 80 to 67, with about three minutes to go. And just for your own knowledge, there has never been an elite eight without a number one seed. Never. Never. We we are on the verge of that exact same thing happening. There has never been one. Wow. Yep. And and only one two seed left, too, because three number two seeds are out right now. Texas might lose tonight, and there might be no two seeds either. We'll see.